On Saturdays, while Galinda is running her energy regifting seminars, I've been engaged in what modern mystics would call body work, and what I call aerobics class. I miss aerobics. I remember going to my mother's workout classes in the 80s when she couldn't find someone to look after me, and there I would sit in the back of the room near a very thick foam mat as a group of 30-something women in teal and purple leotards would huff and puff through never gonna break a my stride or get their sweat on to maniac. It was a scene that in retrospect was as formative as it was overwhelming. But when I clicked the Venmo payment for admittance to this latest experience in the aerobic arts, I approach it as a quite different person and in a very different mindset. Grief can feel so confining, like having your whole being tipped to taint stuffed into a compression stocking. So when I found this outlet where movement was not only encouraged but required, I decided it was something I was missing and a way to shake off the restrictive bonds of loss and sadness. And while this is not an advert for her services, I want to thank the blessing that is Angela Trimber for her wonderful and open class. I hesitate to even share what feels like a special secret of a good thing, but I want you to know how meaningful her work is and has been for this out-of-shape grieving sack of too much coffee cake. Angela is an actor, dancer, choreographer, and if you don't know her story, look it up. She's been through it. More than most, I'd say. And she gives back every weekend with in-person and virtual dance and movement classes where the emphasis is on feeling all the feelings, whatever they may be. Rare is the workout where one battles out their inner demons in a dance number set to Billie Eilish or gets a great stretch by pretending to embody a tear falling down a cheek. It hits me right where I needed to, and I'm so thankful that it has arrived just as I was looking for it. And finding joy, seeking out something to move to or be moved by, while fighting through the darkness, these are some of the very things we're talking about tonight as we slip in a haunted VHS copy of the Jane Fonda workout and the TV screen flickers before pulling us into another realm, the realm of the deep night. French. Hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, Natch, and I'm so pleased to be your host, guide, and fell in the back of the workout video who is clearly having a tough time keeping up as we explore this next hour of regrets and revelations that we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight as we always do from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And while it's still cold outside, the Gowani remains at a constant chemical temperature of 83 degrees. Soon it will be time for the toxic polar bear melt, where an enormous papier-mâché polar bear is set adrift into the murky waters and then left to dissolve as a member of the Bulgarian Women's Chorus sings the cautionary Trugnala Rada, a lamentation that tells the story of a concerned nightingale that begs a couple of lovers not to drink from a stream poisoned to kill off revolutionaries. And then we all have hot dogs. I look forward to it every year. Right now, I'm looking forward to our conversation on the show tonight, one held with musician, composer, and multi-instrumentalist Miles Francis. Miles has a new album out in March called Good Man, and several of the tracks are available now on a variety of platforms for streaming or download. I enjoyed getting to know Miles and their music. There's something about discovering new music and then giving it a careful second and third and fourth listen, isn't there? There's a lot going on in all of these tracks. And there's been a lot going on for Miles, too. As a working musician, Miles has collaborated and performed with Sharon Jones, Amber Mark, Angelique Kijo, Alan Toussaint, Tunde Adabimpe, and many others. They've toured the world with Will Butler of Arcade Fire, Auntie Ballas, and appeared on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and The Late Show with David Letterman, and now, of course, Deep Night with Dale. The natural progression. 
So, okay, we'll hear from Miles and then we'll put on uh, their track Popular at the end before the credits. But right now, let's go to my conversation with Miles Francis. Miles Francis, welcome to the deep night. Thank you so much. I don't know. I feel like I I should change my voice a little bit, but no, it's just me. No, you'll be you, Miles. That's what we're here to celebrate and honor. My goodness. Uh, It's uh, great to make your acquaintance. Uh, How does this moment find you? Oh, it's, it's just wonderful. It's a nice, messy, rainy day in New York City. And uh, yeah, yeah, feeling feeling good. Feeling good. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm happy to have you on the show. And you have some new music that's coming out. It's, It's imminent, right? Yeah, yeah, March 4th, and uh, it's, I think, less than a month now, which is uh, pretty crazy considering it's been in the works for years, but we're in it now. It's too late to turn back. Yes, no, we can't turn back. Uh, it's terrifically exciting. How do you uh, uh, approach it? Is, is, is it kind of relief? Is there some anxiety? Is it um, excitement? Is it somehow different from previous efforts? It's it's just a roller coaster. Uh, every day has a new is a new adventure in emotion and uh, on the spectrum of of just everything ranging from deeply happy and at peace to just uh, just very very nervous and anxious and hoping people actually hear it to uh, just just content with with the way things are. So it really depends on the hour. <laughs> yes, as with any creative pursuit, I imagine. Um, and I, I want to thank you. The, the album uh, has is so full of joy. There's a great uh, liveliness to it, um, and uh, indeed even a sense of humor too, isn't there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's all in there. It's all in there. <laughs> I, but humor uh, is important to, to all of your work, right? Yeah, humor is, is essential. Um, I... You know, I've made a lot of music that that I feel very serious about what I'm saying in my music, and and the topics are serious and comes from a very, you know, genuine place. But for some reason, when I get on stage or when I just start to sing about what I'm singing about, it just ends up j- just being funny to me, or something about the way we do things in life just makes me feel like it's all kind of like, what are we even doing here? And then that kind of turns into humor. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, the absurdity of it all. Uh, yeah. It's best not to, you can't stop and think about it too much because, gosh, it's all just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm very familiar with that feeling, Miles, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I still get nervous with every episode of this show that I put out, of course. And then I just get over it and I never think about it mm-hmm. <laughs> again. I just keep that forward momentum uh, moving. Um, yeah. And it's helpful to use the the nerves to create, you know, to create something which, inevitably for me, be- turns out to be kind of absurd or ridiculous. But um, it's better than than letting the nerves win and and just kind of uh, not doing nothing ever. <laughs> yes, we would just be stagnant pools, wouldn't we? No. We, we, yeah. it's, we have to act upon it. And I think that's a very um, uh, a good thing to hold on to, especially as we encounter things that may be difficult for us uh, or, or that we may face challenges uh, to not uh, to hold on to that sense of, of humor to and perspective, perhaps. Um, and normally I would maybe wait until we had a little bit further into our conversation to bring up this idea. But if you're okay with it, I'm going to do it now, and I won't tell you about it until I've already said it. So it, <laughs> if you're oh, not okay it. with it, no, you can tell me. But uh, <laughs> see, one of the things that we have been exploring this this uh, season that I've been intrigued by is a is what I'm calling this near death experience or death adjacent. Somehow that doesn't necessarily mean like uh, you experience some kind of. Uh, uh, bright light, but it means that you're in proximity to some kind of ending, or there was a close call where you had to reevaluate some things. And um, this, this being adjacent to to a death, um, it's a big container. 
I understand. But I read about your studio and what happened there, and that made me think, well, that kind of fits in line with some of the things that I've been thinking about. So if you don't mind, could we explore, just just let us know what happened there. I gather there was a flood. Yes, yes. The hurricane, oh God, Ida, Hurricane Ida um, in in yeah, late August, early September, I can't remember. Uh, it was all of four months ago. That's way too far back for me to remember. Um, yes. But um, yeah, it just, I, I record in a basement studio and like many, many, many people. Um, and, you know, the water, we, we didn't think that the flood was going to be as bad as it was. Turns out there was about six to eight inches of water just sitting in the studio. And we, my, my dad and I got there, uh, it, it, you know, after a few hours and you know basically all the instruments were okay because everything was elevated to an extent and uh but the flooring and kind of the there was a lot of structural damage it was all wood floors so uh we kind of snapped right into action and didn't really think too much but we tore the whole place up and then kind of in the coming weeks decided okay let's let's really start from scratch let's let's create a new space here because it just you know, it was it was out of necessity, really. And then we kind of decided to improvise from there. And that space has always been a place for me to, it's where I've found myself, where I found my identity. It's, it's, so this isn't just any random basement. It's a basement of the building that I grew up in. So right. this is the space where I learned music, period, where I found myself my love it's in music has been my only thing my whole life so that and that was the space where i did it so um basically that flood came at a time when uh, you know from 2020 pandemic uh black lives matter protests moving into finishing my album and and all that it, it felt like a culmination was this flood <laughs> where everything just got washed out and making space for something new um and that's that's definitely been the the theme so the flood was on brand for <laughs> uh the last couple of years and yes it it it's been it's been a process and it, it really sucked but it also you know there's no choice but to look on the bright side and it does kind of fit in with with what's been going on in my life right so. Right, and one would be tempted uh, to to really uh, look for um, a lesson or a sign from this. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you have thoroughly processed that aspect of it. I mean, a storm uh, often carries with it some kind of a. Uh, it can often be a metaphor. It can be a symbolic of something, and yeah. uh, certainly that was the case. To have something that was a, a place of such uh, safety for you, and and uh, nurturing for you, to have that be taken away, not unlike the lo experiencing loss of a person, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and the, the the studio was has always been like a person, like a friend, like a you know, like you said, a safe space, a little dungeon uh, where I have always gone to first to explore my identity through music and therefore my identity in general. And um, it does feel like a loss. Um, and I, d I wrote a piece about it, a written piece. I, I had a little photography session with my dad who helped me build, who helped build the studio initially when I was a kid and then has been there through along the way since now I've sort of taken it over. And we kind of just stood in the space when it was completely empty and just, you know, just took a photograph, um, which felt like, you know, the, the way to do it just to mark that moment in time. Um, but I think for both of us, that space has been like a person, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's always there. And then suddenly it's not there anymore. And you're like, Oh, uh, you, you know, it's just, you're just move, moving around frantically trying to like reschedule things and, and do all the, you know, figure out your life around it. But then every once in a while you stop and you're like, oh yeah, that space was like every day for me, every single day it was always there. So. Right. Right. Any of yeah. these kind of losses that we experience require an almost uh, rearrangement at the molecular level uh, of our being as we adjust to this new reality without that. And who are we going to be in relation to that absence? Um, are you finding that that was um, being put into new work that's coming out now? Um, 
that you may be not a part of this album, but things that are, are maybe percolating at the moment, you able to put it into a creative uh, space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as we speak, actually, the, the construction is still going on. Uh, so I, I temp I've set up somewhere else temporarily, um, but I can just sort of feel the the stack of ideas and and ideas and ideas and ideas just uh, building up. That I, I'm just so excited to get back in there, and uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, it's just gonna. <laughs> churn stuff out um, it's charged it's a charged space yeah exactly it's very yeah. charged and uh it's it's also just you know it's 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 a community space i i held a lot of events there and a lot of every phase of my own life musically and career-wise has kind of those people have moved through that space and and moved out of it and um it's this album that i'm putting out through that process there were a lot of other revela revelations just gender stuff and uh, uh all uh thinking about whiteness and and maleness and and all this stuff that that has gone into this record um now it feels like now that the record's coming out and the basement is now flooded and completely being redone it's it's the start of for me personally a new phase of my life so it's all in there dale it's all in there <laughs> It's amazing that, <laughs> you know, there's this um, uh, phrase that, uh, you know, well, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. But you know what? I think maybe sometimes it's a little <laughs> close. <do>. It's <laughs> I, I feel like it's the opposite. God, God doesn't give us less than we can handle. <laughs> it's constantly just on the brink. <laughs> yes. And it's just up to us. Yes, a real uh, uh, what is it? A crisis actor, <laughs> Dra yeah. drama queen, really yeah. uh, appreciates when we're just at the edge. I guess. <laughs> yes. yes. Now, will you take the photo that you have? Will you put that up somewhere in the new space? Uh, is that the intention? Oh yeah. Oh, that that would be that would be nice. I'm gonna write that down. It, it currently lives on on talkhouse uh, dot com, where I where the article I wrote uh, that photo series is up there. Um, but I, I will definitely frame it and, and put it up and, um, you know, for years to come, we'll always be able to remember how it smelled uh, for that <laughs> yes. sort of month-long stretch. It smelled yes. just just hmm. terrible down there. <laughs> I can imagine. I live quite close to the Gowanus, so I'm familiar with uh, scents. Oh, legendary, <laughs> legendary smells over there. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, uh, I'm happy to hear that you are, are uh, through this moment or continue to be through uh, this transition and you continue to deal with it, but that you're a little bit on the other side of it at least and able mm -hmm. to look forward, which is what I feel from you. And uh, I think that's probably the best place that you can be in right now. So uh, that, that's uh, yes. terrific. Thank you. Um, yeah. Your your music is so beautifully layered and, and dense and it has a sense of playfulness that we... Uh, uh, referred to or alluded to, uh, it seems truly like it is something that is born of the process of noodling in a basement. That that <laughs> one would, uh, with all, uh, you know, and and that's how many things are. And without basements, yes. where would any of our culture be? Truly, um, <laughs> it's all traced back to noodling in basements, really. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that was partially informed by the vibe of that space, uh, I imagine. Um, but it's uh, you, you started as a drummer and are still a drummer, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Once a drummer, oh, yeah. always a drummer, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't go back from that. <laughs> no. And in fact, the, the crafting of beats seems like something where you keep adding and adding and adding. It, it, do you find it to be an additive process or you kind of pull back at a certain point? Or how does that work for you? Are you just always seeing beats everywhere? Uh, does the beat lead the charge? <laughs> yeah. When you said seeing beats everywhere, I just I just imagine like, you know, walking in the city and, and you know, I don't know, the scene in a movie where someone's like, music is everywhere. Or I feel like this was a movie. Uh, some movie about a DJ that Zac Efron was in that I can't remember. Um, <laughs> anyway, where he's like, music is everywhere. And then they show a scene of like someone tapping on a desk and then like a clock and it's all right. like in, in my brain. Anyway, that, <laughs> yes. that aside. Um, Living oh, in called... the stomp universe, I think is what that's. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I completely forgot your question. And thank you, <laughs> Zach Efron. Damn it. Um, well, once the mind gets to Zach, I mean, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. additive. Additive yes. process. Yes. Very additive process. Um, I basically let myself go and then I kind of switch my hat to the producer hat and usually the producer hat means just making cuts just being like don't need that don't need that don't need that um which is a part of the process i love but um i try to just let myself throw as many things at the wall as i can and just just let it just let it move forward however in whatever direction of the room i'm feeling <laughs> whether it's toward the keyboard wall or the percussion um it's nice to to build out a little space where everything's just sort of there so that um, when I lay down, say, a drum take, I can sort of see that, okay, there's a shaker and tambourine over there, so maybe I don't play the hi-hat on this drum take. I just play the snare and the kick, and then the tambourine and the shaker could be tracked later and, and form a kind of hi-hat sound. And then it ends up getting into, okay, we have a drum beat, but it's not just somebody sitting down at the drums. It's kind of coming from here and there, and it's all kind of working together to fill the fill that space. Um, and yeah, and, and then the, the task always becomes to to make space enough, which which is always a challenge because I just want to have everything and I love all my ideas. But at a certain point you gotta you gotta just say you know what tambourine player maybe you gotta just ease up on this one <laughs> just take a step back right but yeah. might there be a spot for a tambourine player later down the road yeah hey last chorus yeah. you can come back yeah yeah <laughs> sure and and then do those things get put into a kind of uh a vault uh, a place where you can pull them back if you need them if if indeed you decide to dedicate a whole song to tambourine <laughs> yeah. Yes, there there there's a lot of recycling in in my process where I'll I actually just released a song in January called Let Me Cry that I think it's track 5 on my record, track 4, track 5 and the song started in a completely different way, a totally different song that I tracked vocals to with the same lyrics and then out of nowhere I just decided I started creating a different instrumental song and then I was like, you know what? It would be good if I took all the vocals from that other song and put them over here and it just transmitted that sort of song onto the new song and now the old one doesn't have lyrics and vocals and I got to figure that out. But, you know, it, it makes for kind of a, a just a recyclable quality to to everything. Sounds like a hugely collaborative effort with yourself. Yes, I love collabing with myself. It's, <laughs> I'm my favorite. I'm really, I love my work. <laughs> no. Well, listen, that's probably helpful. <laughs> no, I mean, I. one of the things that comes into play with at working as a solo artist is once I play it for, it, it's it, playing my music for somebody is like a cherished process a cherished moment in the process because I, I you know I'll, I'll be i'll spend all night on this idea that i'm just like loving i'm just so i'm just in it and then i go and play it uh to a friend and the second it starts i kind of feel either like yeah this is this is the shit i i, I they're gonna love it. or i just feel this kind of sinking feeling of like oh wait this is this is not as good as i thought it was um <laughs> Or if, if not good, then just like it's not translating the way I thought it would. And how can I shift things here and there to make it really translate what I thought it was saying? And yeah. that's the challenge, just reaching other people besides myself. If I was the only one I needed to play my music for, then, hey, I mean, whatever. But Perfect. I do love sharing. So <laughs> Yeah, right. right. Do you find you have a particular uh, blind spot? I know that sometimes if I'm writing or something and then I will present it to someone close as a kind of rough draft, as you're saying, uh, I realize that sometimes I forget the connecting points between thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the context would be very helpful. I've experienced yeah. it in my mind, but I haven't mm -hmm. put it onto the page. Yeah. And you're looking at them like, so you get it? Like you, you get it? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I hear that, but. And then you have to sort of explain it with words, which is never a good 
thing. Yeah. <laughs> you just want it to speak for for itself. But um, yeah, I'd say a blind spot would be. Uh, I mean, the 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 density has been something I've consciously worked on for years now. I used to have a a ten piece band called the Mefe that that we made about seven albums, um, but that was like a huge band where everything was dense all the time. And then I started this project where everything was very minimal. And then I got a little tired of that. And now I'm kind of riding the center of just like, okay, I don't want to get too dense un unless it feels like it should be. Um, and all those kinds of questions. But Honestly, at the end of the, at the end of the day, everybody just calls my music dense anyway. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm I got layers. I I got density, so I can't run from it, and that's just who I am. Right, <laughs> em embrace it. I'd say. So, yeah, it's yeah, perfect. Well, uh, uh, Miles, I had your music on shuffle on the hi-fi system here, and I was oh. listening to it, and uh, and with the greatest respect, because it's a place I'm very fond of, I was transported back uh, to the mall when I was listening, uh, and uh, then I, I looked up, you know, I was right back there at Suncoast Video, uh, <laughs> browsing a $99 Laserdisc of the Bodyguard, you know, right back to those uh, 90s days, late 80s, 90s days, and um, I realized it was because you had done an album uh, about boy bands. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So you found that. <laughs> <laughs> I did find that. And in fact, beyond just finding your take, which I enjoyed, uh, in anticipation of this interview, I went back and did something I have never done, which is intentionally listened to a boy bands. Um, mm. Always something I feel as if I was probably uh, afflicted by or, uh, you know, uh, attacked by uh, yeah, you're always trying to escape it <laughs> yes, yeah. not something i sought out but in doing so um <clears throat> and i assume that there's a great deal of happiness that this music provides to a lot of people but what i experienced first was a kind of desperation uh <laughs> that mm. was being conveyed you know no matter who you are or what you did uh, uh as long as you love me mm. and and that being conveyed not by one voice but five um, usually by young fellas, you know, in matching white denim, uh, sure. dancing about. That's that's really amping up the desperation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's intense. It's really <laughs> intense music. It is. What Masked. do you respond to within it? Hmm. Oh gosh, um, it's. I feel like I was kind of caught up in in the moment so so deeply uh I, I kind of a brainwash where i just kind of kind of years years later came up for air i was just like oh my god like i i was obsessed with backstreet boys and in sync why why did they grab me so hard and just did not let go um and i've thought a lot about that and i i think it's there are a lot of different layers to it, but I think that I both, I saw myself in them, you know, and hmm. that is, that can go different ways. In one way, I, the angst, the, the sort of young male angst of it, like the kind of reverse Limp Bizkit element of like, this is all kind of speaking from a male perspective, being a little bit frustrated or desperate or whatever towards women. Um, and so that just like kind of slotted in and eventually that would turn into Limp Bizkit uh, for me. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> God damn it. I should like, uh, okay. Um, just the gauntlet. Uh, but yeah, so there's the seeing myself in it in that way, but then there's also the, just the expression that some of the, you know, the dancing and the, the crooning and the, I don't know, there is like a, uh, a freedom in of expression of like someone like AJ of the Backstreet Boys, like what he represented for me was something that I was like, it made me want to paint my nails. It made me want to, um, you know, dress a little bit off, you know, from the norm or whatever. Um, and I always refer back to the music video for uh, Larger Than Life, if everybody wants to just sort of click pause on the podcast, go watch Larger Than Life, enjoy the amazing special effects of the time and just sort of imagine them all being on a green screen. 
um, but also focus in on AJ's outfit. Um, in one of the scenes, the major dance scenes, he's wearing this crop top that's basically just arms and uh, it ends right below like his, his, the top of his chest. And it's what we would consider like a queer kind of look. Like it's, it's very much removed from straightness, even though Backstreet Boys and all of this stuff is very sort of cloaked in straightness and uh, it's all very heteronormative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, I, it all, it all, it just kind of checked a bunch of boxes for me. And that's not even getting into the actual music, which is like, <laughs> right. it is sort of genius in a way. Some of it is absolutely terrible, but then every once in a while, there's a real gem of songwriting it's yeah. complicated, Dale. I, oh, I totally, that's where I ended up with it too, Miles. And, and keep in mind, I'm kind of coming to it new. Uh, but I think uh, what I'm hearing is the the sort of joyful danceability, some good beats in there, your appreciation mm -hmm. of the absurdity of it, the way it kind of um, lands nowhere and everywhere on the yeah. uh, sexual, uh, queer uh, spectrum. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's it's uh, It's very loaded. Um, and I think that's probably what gives it this sort of cultural stickiness. Um, mm -hmm. And probably there's many dissertations written about this. But yeah, there's the like, are we inf infantilizing them? Are we meant to coddle them? Are we meant to desire them? And what does that mean? That prompts some real questions. Uh, mm -hmm. Do they only exist in back streets? Or is that just where they were found as singing orphans? <laughs> um, it's just what is that way? Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, to to be explored, <laughs> uh, uh, but that's 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 a great movie. Just waiting to be happened to to be happened. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and I guess at the end of the day, I'm thankful for you uh, and your music getting me uh, to the place where I can do a deep dive into yeah. <laughs> boy band. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it, it's been a good sort of it's very. See, I'm, I'm, I get a lot of satisfaction out of looking back at problematic things and owning up to the fact that I fell for it and I was totally in that and it shaped a lot of probably problematic points of view as a young boy um, as far as like how how to act with girls, women, like, you know, just like thinking that they're that they belong to me, like they're sort of property in some way that I deserve to always have them when I'm ready. Um, but it's, so anyway, I find satisfaction in in just like owning up to that stuff and, and re-digesting it so that we can still enjoy a good boy band tune, you know, when it, when it comes on, when the time is right, you know, throw on everybody Backstreet's Back and just have some fun while also being being just honest and truthful about how weird it is. I, I love that. So yeah, yeah. I don't know no, what's are, next. but uh, yeah. The product of our times, too. And we can't help but be influenced by those things and be shaped by them. Rare is the yeah. visionary that stands apart outside of you know, cultural influence. Yeah. Um, so it's good to uh, certainly own all of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's problematic and it's positive. Um, now, uh, the new album, Good Man, is what it's called, right? Yes, Good yeah. Man. Um, this uh, moves into some other territory beyond the boy band. Oh, boy band yeah. Thing. <laughs> yes, uh, some, some solid beats and grooves in there, of course, but uh, I would say maybe more emotionally mature and aware, um, still bouncy, uh, some, some ideas around even what it means to be successful within this field. Uh, I, to, to quote one of the lyrics, do live to be popular. So, <laughs> well, good. It's about owning it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and what does popular mean to you while we're on the subject? Oh, um, it's just it's a state of mind more than anything, and it's and it's 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 about appearances these days. Um, everybody is trying to seem popular, and we all want to feel popular. It's just as simple as you know, uploading just posting a, a, an Instagram picture, you know, it's just like it, it, those little, those little moments um, 
you know, everybody can sort of feel what it's like to be a, a celebrity in their own little worlds. So yeah. that's that's kind of where I wrote the song from. Um, and, and, and from being a, a place celebrity, of critique, though, too, right? Not to oh, yeah. jump on you there yet. No, completely critique. It's something that I that I um, feel very. It makes me sad. <laughs> and so it's. It, I think of that song as a sad song. It's just about just the state of things, and we all know, yada yada. Social media is just uh, doing all sorts of crazy things to our minds and all that. And um, so, like we said in the beginning, the only way I can um, digest that is is to make a kind of um, ironic, humorous song about it. Um, and then I feel okay. <laughs> That's how we get through it, isn't it? I know if I ever figure out social media, watch out. Uh, <laughs> then we're oh. really in for some trouble. Oh, yeah. If I get on the TikTok, oh, my gosh. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the idea, though, uh, uh, with a good man as a title, you are really exploring various uh, permutations and uh, variations of what that phrase even means, um, sort of interrogating uh, masculinity as a concept and uh, uh, puncturing some holes in it, perhaps, and uh, perhaps. just kind of holding it up and trying to explore it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I have done more privately for for years now and i mean the me, me too movement definitely when that was kicking off um back uh, i don't know 2015 uh that really got just spun my world around and uh is that what there, they say about it kicking off <laughs> yeah yeah that, just, they kicked it off it was yeah. there was a big event and <laughs> there were some balloons <laughs> yeah. uh yeah <laughs> yes um, but yeah, it's it's been a journey of just uh, a lot of conversations with with men in my life and with my with myself. Just looking back at my own life and at my own behavior, I'd say each of the songs on my album is is kind of a a, a deep dive, a, a deep night dive into yes. um, certain elements of the what I see as you know the psyche of anybody, but specific things kind of seem to happen with men in certain areas when it comes to insecurity about something or, or uh, anxiety or, or ego and, and all these different little zones that I like to just crawl into and, and explore and make a song about. And I'd say all those put together, you spit them out at the end and then there's your character at the end who's just gone through all of this, all, all of this, uh, heavy stuff um and what what happens at the end um so that, that's what the album is to me um and through the process i i ended up uh finding my own identity as not a man as a non-binary person um that presents as a man obviously but um it just which i i didn't expect at all um but it just made sense it made more and more sense to me as as the whole thing bore out, so, and that became evident through the making of the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and I didn't really know it until I didn't set out to make a, you know a record, um, like really at all. It's just the record sort of happened, and then I came out at the other end, uh, different and changed. And um, who knows what'll happen for the next record. <laughs> <laughs> this one was a real doozy. Right. <laughs> I guess one should be careful of the subject matter. Yes, but yeah. uh, how, how beautiful that it happened through your creative expression to have it reveal it, to reflect back onto yourself and who you are and help shape who you are. I mean, that's something we hope for a lot of the times, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's perhaps no surprise then that I think some of the tracks on there uh, pull in some references to figures like Bowie and Prince and even like a Klaus Nomi or something, people who were um, exploring and perhaps fluid around ideas of gender and sexuality. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something I've been attracted to in... You know, I, I've my whole life has been about... I, I, there's been... I think a lot about my childhood and and how I was able to be with a sort of freedom and and uh, just sort of not not thinking about um, what a man 
is supposed to be or and then and then a sort of boxing in process began and and you, you go to high school you gonna you know you go to eighth seventh eighth grade you go to high school and then um you start to just whether you like it or know it or not your the messages start to feed into what how you're supposed to move how you're not supposed to move what you know um just straightness and queerness and all these things um there's these norm normativities about about um manhood that box you in and then for me it's been the process of breaking that down and returning to my childhood state when i would paint my nails all the time when i would just dance however i wanted not kind of like stick to the standard like side left right left right I would kind of move my hips and just move my body with like water and all this expression stuff um, that uh, just trying to let that in, trying to just just uh, fight the the um, idea of uh, fight the boxing in and unbox, unbox the the boxing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As the famous phrase goes. Uh, oh, yeah. yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> unbox the boxing, um, and uh, you know, it, of course, that uh, uh, the way that uh, uh, we experience masculinity or male, the, the way we have male figures in our life, varies so widely uh, among each person that uh, the box may be more confining for some uh, yeah. right out of the gate um, uh, than others. And we, we all have different uh, e- exposure and we take different things from those lessons. So um, interesting to see how you, less just the unboxing, but how you're doing it and how you manage to find your way into this new identity uh, is, is uh, fascinating. Th- thank you. I mean, it's it's been, um, I, it, it's been, intense because because when i sort of got all my eggs in a row to to release this album and and you know uh start thinking about the story of it and 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 the context creating context behind your album which is kind of a necessary thing even i would love to just put the record out and have have everybody understand me instantly but it's not going to happen um and so it got uh it's, it's tricky to sort of put into words this little journey I've been on um, and not have it feel like it's, uh, you know, it's it's just like a PR blast, you know, it's just, it kind of removes the life from it in a way. Um, so that, to be honest, has been an interesting part of this whole process that I had to sort of, a hump I had to get over personally, where it's like, okay, I know how I feel, I know what went into this album, and then I know the album what it sounds like and and the videos and the world i want to create but um how do i tell that story for people um in a way that you know anybody can grab onto it and and relate it to their own lives and and maybe it will speak to them and and help them do a little unboxing themselves um so i appreciate that you said that (laughs) yes well it's a it's a it's a time to be going through all of (laughs) All of this, and then, as you said, to have a kind of a publicity uh, piece to it as well at a, a moment where mm, culturally there's a lot of activity around this and a lot of attention around this being the idea of pronouns and identity and gender expression. So uh, it's there's a little bit of um, novelty within the cultural uh, yeah. ferment and that you have to participate in that a, a bit is, you know, if some of that's being thrust upon you, even though you're also naturally coming to that uh, and to, to navigate that must be a little bit mm, wonky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or put one a little bit uh, or, or perhaps force of a great comfort with it very quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm thankful that, I, you know, I wish I, I love that things are how they are now i'm almost like oh man i wish i had been exposed to these ideas 10 years ago um because that would have been awesome (laughs) you know but um it doesn't really matter you know i'm here now uh so i have to sort of keep that in mind that um you know i've been inspired by stories i've read of others and um 
you know, it, it, it just is a matter of me wading into that water and, and believing that I have something to add to the, to the conversation or just something to put on the table. And, um, I'm, I'm proud of, of what, what I'm trying to say, but also just trying to keep it light, trying to, you know, like, it's still funny. This is all kind of stupid, isn't it? Like, we're just trying to like, <laughs> we're all just trying to live here and, and do what we love. And so there's, I try to just keep, keep that a healthy amount of that too. Just like, yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on with this, but I also, it's just music. It, it, it's, 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 uh, ultimately I want people to, to dance. I want them to feel free. I want them to not think about words when they hear my music. I want them to just, to just listen to their bodies. You know, it, am I at burning man? Cause I feel like I'm at burning man <laughs> as I'm saying this. <laughs> I'm always a little bit at Burning Man. <laughs> I just said, listen to your bodies uh, on a podcast. I think I'm just going to go. <laughs> well, see the beach, listen to your bodies. Yes. This, uh, this is what we must do. But surely uh, you you will uh, uh, influence next generation of people coming along and make it that much easier perhaps for them uh, to find themselves. And I really appreciate the the perspective of this absurdist thing, even sort of breaking your line of thought to think about Burning Man, because um, none of this is easy. And, and going through any, whether it's a literal flood and having to clean up or, or thinking about how you present in the world or how you're going to be received or just releasing an album, forget any of the other stuff. Uh, all of those things uh, require uh, effort, uh, require some um, uh, real uh, fortitude and uh, an ability to move through it. And I'm so appreciative that you do it um, with a, with a uh, project that is so full of joy. <laughs> At the end of the day, it can be about dancing and uh, moving ourselves around in space. <laughs> Whether you yes. listen to those bodies or not, uh, it's really, uh, I'm glad to have both the, the, the difficult thing and to have come through it, but to, to have it be around something that's so joyful absolutely key so uh thank, thank you. you for putting it out at the end of the day and we look forward to the full release of the thing i'm sure it's going to be very successful for you yeah thank you very much dale yes yeah thank you well uh uh and it's going to be out when again you said march march 4th march 4th yeah uh, everywhere everywhere on okay. all the internet <laughs> Um, and I'm putting it out on vinyl and cassette too, so you can head to my website, milesfrancis.com, to place your order. <laughs> We're gonna get some see-through vinyl. We're gonna have some variations. What's it gonna be? It's actually it's a clear, transparent vinyl. Yeah, Ooh, that's nice. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Again, reminds me of the laser discs. Um, yes. Well, uh, Miles, it's been fantastic. Uh, I'm so happy uh, to have met you and have you on the show. This is great. Uh, uh, good luck with everything. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dale. Okay. Thank you. Take care. <clears throat>
such fun, and also figuring out a lot. This time has been so transformative, and we're only beginning to see some of the radical and not-so-radical outcomes of these past two years. I'm so excited and energized by people who are emerging as their truer selves, as their confusing selves, as people full of contradictions, ready to hold those up in question and keep moving forward. The music that Miles is putting out is a great thing to put on, to experience joy while also keeping a good bit of perspective about the things that really matter. My thanks to Miles and the team at Shorefire Media for putting this interview together. Get the album when it comes out, like actually buy it. I think that does help. And maybe sign up for a ridiculous dance class or something. Get out of your comfort zone or back into one and move about. You probably need it. I know I did. Well, that will do it for us this week. I wish you uh, good health and thank you for visiting with us. And remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced, written, and performed by James Bewley. Season 14 artwork by M.K. Cummins. Season 14 theme features lyrics and vocals by Kylie Lotz, music by Austin Lotz, and mixing by Zach Robbins. It's never too late to give Dale a positive review while hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But you can also tune in to Dale's Frequency on Stitcher, Podchaser, SoundCloud, and Spotify, wherever you are. Dale's right there with you. To get in touch with mindfulness tips, positive reinforcement, or just to say hello, email Dale directly at daleradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram by looking up at Dale Seaver. From our being to yours, thank you for visiting the Deep Night. Bye-bye-bye. Uh,